Welcome to Alumni Voices, a podcast series from Oxford University. I'm Guy Collander and this month I'm on the road. I'm in Washington DC where I'm meeting former students as part of the Alumni Weekend in North America. In the second of these interviews, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom McMillan, an extraordinary and multi-talented alumnus who has excelled in sport, politics and business. He has been a professional basketball player, a Rhodes Scholar and a Congressman. He was the founding chairman of the National Foundation on Fitness, Sports and Nutrition. More about that later. Tom McMillan, thank you very much for speaking to me. Great to be here, Guy. Thanks. Let's begin with basketball. Could you tell us about your successes on the court before you even came to Oxford? Well, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, I had a family that was very involved in sports and basketball and I... I grew up uh, to be very tall. and We were on the radio, so can you explain just how tall you are for our listeners? Well, I'm 2 meters 10 or 6 10, uh, whichever you prefer. But I, uh, you know, in, in my high school in Pennsylvania, I got a lot of national attention. I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is our big sports publication in, in America. I think I was the second high school player to be on the cover. So... That resulted in this crazy recruiting for me to go to a college, so I had 300 right. schools recruiting me, and I chose the University of Maryland, where I ended up uh, being an All-American and uh, you know playing four years there, as well as playing on the Olympic team. So you know I had a lot of sports experiences before I went to Oxford. And that Olympic performance, that was quite something. Could you tell us a little bit about that in 1972 in Munich? It was a very uh, catastrophic Olympics because, uh, as many people remember, it was the, the beginning of modern terrorism when the Israeli athletes were murdered in the village and outside the village uh, by Arab terrorists. And uh, first of all, to have that kind of terrorist attack in the village was quite startling. And then five days later, we played a basketball game against the Soviet Union, which we won the game. We came from behind. It was a very young team to beat this very mature, almost professional Soviet team. And then the referees kept resetting the clock, and only on the third time did the Russians, the Soviets prevail. It was such uh, chicanery that we refused to accept the silver medal. So our silver medals are still sitting in a vault in Switzerland. We, uh, I, we're the only Olympic team never to accept their medals. And obviously the height of the Cold War as well. So. It was right in the middle of the Cold War. It was a, really, a, <clears throat> in many respects, a Cold War uh, sporting event because the refereeing, everything was so political and, uh, you know, the outcome was very political. Uh, the Soviets wanted to win so badly, the United States had never lost before. So I, I think it's a good way to describe it would be a Cold War outcome. And how did you then come to study at Oxford? Uh, I had been interested in the Rhodes Scholarship for some time. One of, uh, another great basketball player, uh, Bill Bradley, had come to uh, Oxford on a Rhodes Scholarship from Princeton, and so, and he was about six years older than me, and I was very interested in what how he had done it. He actually postponed his professional basketball career and went to Oxford. And so when I went to the University of Maryland, I started early on looking at what I would need to do to try to compete for the Rhodes Scholarship. <clears throat> I ended up winning the Rhodes Scholarship at Maryland. I was actually the first student to ever do so at the University of Maryland. And so uh, it was just something that I, one of those goals that you had, and it worked out. And what did you learn from studying philosophy, politics, and economics, PPE, at University College in Oxford? Well, I was a chemistry major at the University of Maryland. And so when I went to Oxford, I was thrust in a 
a total different way of thinking. PPE is basically very creative, very intuitive, and um, so I had to think. I had to think very differently. So it was a very, it was a big experience for me because you're writing essays, uh, you're doing the kinds of things that I never did as a chemistry major. So plus being immersed in my politics class with folks from all over the world. I mean, you'd have a student from Malaysia, Pakistan, England, and what amazed me was their knowledge of the United States government and our political system. I, I was quite surprised because, you know, here I grew up in the States, yet they knew just as much as I did in many respects. And so that was that was quite a startling. And also being a Rhodes Scholar, immediately being part of that international cohort of other scholars from around the world. Right, and the other part of the greatness of Oxford for, for myself as a Rhodes Scholar was that you met, you got to know some great, you know, folks all over the country who were Rhodes Scholars actually all over the world. And uh, that cohort was a, uh, has, you know, I've remained friends with many of them over the years. So after your studies, you returned to basketball and spent a very successful 11 years playing in the NBA. Well, let, let me back that up because I want to give a little history. When I was sure. at Oxford, I played basketball in Italy. Right. Um, and I played twice a week, which was enormous uh, travel. I was flying all night long. So I'd go down on Wednesday, play a game, and then fly all night long and get back to Oxford Thursday morning. So oh, that's incredible. So I was doing this twice a week, played 55 games. Part of it was because I wanted to keep my skills up so that I you know, could go back to the United States. It was a very difficult experience, but I, you know, the one thing I was able to do was study a lot. I was traveling so much. You know, when you're on a plane, you get to study and read a lot. So it was kind of forced studying, which was good. But then what happened was, as you know, the Rhodes Scholarship is a minimum of two years. My second year, well, at the end of my first year, my attorney came over and said, you have to come back to the States immediately because they're going to merge these pro leagues and you're going to, it's going to, you're going to lose your bargaining ability. So I wanted to go back to the States uh, and play pro basketball, but I didn't want to give up my Rhodes scholarship. So I went to see the warden of Rhodes House. I said, would you let me come back in the summers? And he said, absolutely not. We don't make those exceptions. Uh, I want to come back in the uh, Trinity term. And, uh, and then I found out that Cecil Rhodes, the founder of the Rhodes uh, Trust, had himself gone to Oxford in, in all Trinity terms all the summer. And so when I told that to the warden, he allowed me to finish my Rhodes Scholarship uh, in the summer. So I went back to the United States, played 11 years in the NBA. But for three of those years, I came back and finished my, uh, my uh, PPE degree. So back to your question. So I played 11 years in the NBA, but I had always had an inkling to do something in public service. As I had mentioned, Bill Bradley, uh, who was my teammate on the Knicks, a Rhodes Scholar, who went on, when I played with the New York Knicks, went on to run for the United States Senate, was successful. And I said, well, that's that may be a, a model to try to, to emulate. And so I, um, I was asked the owner of the Atlanta Hawks to trade me to Washington so I could get back to my 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 area where I went to school, the University of Maryland, and I had bought a house in the 4th Congressional District. So he traded me back to Washington, and for three years I kind of worked the area, and I, I announced for Congress. I actually announced for Congress before the season, so I was a candidate for Congress while I was playing professional sports, which no one's ever done. So I ended up winning and serving in Congress uh, 
for six for three terms. Partly because of my experience at Oxford and the sort of the whole idea of uh, being imbued with the concept of public service, I wanted to to do something uh, in public service back in the states. The great advantage of doing it when you're an athlete and you're well known is that it gives you a sort of a an edge on the on the recognition uh, standpoint. So that helped me a lot. And an incredible ability to juggle competing demands at very senior levels in sport, politics. And well, they are, and they, you know, you're you're tra- You have to. It's very peripatetic lifestyle. You deal with the press. There's pressure. Uh, there's fatigue. There's you know juggling a lot of things. There's you have to work as a team, um, same way in politics, same way in government. So I think there are a lot of similarities. In 1993, you were named by President Bill Clinton, another Rhodes Scholar, as co-chair of the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports. And your influence upon the health of the nation has grown and grown. Today, you are the treasurer of the National Foundation on Fitness, Sports and Nutrition, previously being its founding chairman. What is the solution to unhealthy lives? I think what... The First Lady, Michelle Obama, has done focusing on youth, focusing on let's move, and all the things about getting children more active is really the priority. And uh, because you look at our schools today, you look at our structure, and we do so much for the elite athlete, but we don't do much for the regular student. And I think that's got to be the challenge of these organizations. And if healthy habits are picked up early on, then they're sustained well, that's right. And she's added nutrition to our to the whole. It used to be the President's Council on Physical Fitness, and now, and they added sports, and now they added nutrition. So it's the President's Council on Physical Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition, which I think is a very important part of it because nutrition and fitness go hand in hand. And as well as your impressive record of public service, you are a successful businessman, serving previously as Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Washington Capital Advisors, an investment firm, and as a director of RCS Capital, a publicly traded investment bank, as well as other positions. You are now the CEO and president of the D1A, the Athletic Directors Association, which represents 129 of the largest college athletic programs in the US with eight billion pounds in revenue. You've also spoken of having this multiple career disorder um, what, what career have you most enjoyed, given everything that you've done? Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, you know, I, I enjoyed being a professional athlete, but it's a, you know, it's a very pressurized existence. I enjoy being a congressman, uh, and I've enjoyed uh, being involved in business. I'm not sure that I could say one is better than the other. You know, it, it always gets down to the people that you associate with. One of the things that I really enjoyed about being Congress was that the, the other fellow members of Congress that you got to know and and the, th- and the good things you could do for your district and for your constituents. But as I said, I've, I've been enjoying all the different challenges and pursuits. Right now I'm working on this, this consortium of all these 129 schools, which are, you know, the who's who of universities in America in terms of having sports programs. You look at Notre Dame and uh, UCLA and University of Southern California, they're, they're just major, major programs, and it's fun to work with these schools. It gets you back into the higher education world. Uh, you're trying to help young people and student-athletes, and so 
that itself is very fulfilling as well. And do you think your interest in these multiple subjects and spheres that comes from studying PPE, which is <laughs> appeals multi- to poly, poly- polymaths, multidisciplinary? Well, it is multidisciplinary. And I think the fact that, you know, here I was a chemistry major and here I went into PPE, I've had, I've had a, a taste of so many different disciplines that I do think it has helped me in all these experiences, because when you go into a job or experience or anything else, it's the culmination of all your other life's experiences that helps you navigate through that position. And so the fact that I've been an athlete, I've been you know involved in science, I've been in humanities, and I, the fact that I've had business background, I think all these things help integrate you into to your new positions. And the 2016 presidential race is one of the most controversial and unpredictable in recent times. What is your prediction? Well, I, I think that uh, Secretary Clinton will, will win this. Uh, it's, you know, it's very messy. I mean, as you know, democracies can be very messy. Uh, the American people are very frustrated. There's a huge element of the American electorate that wants to ki- kick the kitchen table over. Uh, we have not seen that. Uh, the last time we saw it was back in the 1992 when Ross Perot ran uh, and helped Bill Clinton get elected president. But there are times in America and, and, and certainly in, in Europe and so forth where people are just fed up with the status quo. And I think you have a strong element of that today. The, the electorate is so closely divided. Any election you have a president will be hotly contested. And it's very different from what we're used to in the UK, where everything's concentrated in a three-week period. <coughs> it's, uh, it's a long process. America has much too long of a campaign system. I think Britain and the Europeans do a much better job. I mean, this is an endless. I mean, you run for Congress, and then you win, and then you start running again. You run for president, and you start running day one. It's, it's become a four-year campaign. And uh, just the... The duration and the pressure on a candidate is extreme. You know, it's not, it's not an easy... They really test you to, to be president. So uh, that's certainly the case here. But I will concur with your point. This is probably one of the most interesting elections. Very hard to predict. Uh, volatile. Um, you know, it defies all common sense. But, you know, that's kind of America, America's political system. Tom McMillan, thank you very much for sharing your incredible accounts of sport, politics and Oxford with us. To listen to other episodes of Alumni Voices, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk.